0: I'll be honest. I'm still stewing. I am still fired up. Pac-12 plays no defense. Pac-12 stinks. All right. We're moving past it. It is Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. A hey, very happy Tuesday. Thank you for joining us and making us part here of your Tuesday. I know it's, there's a ton of distractions, a lot going on. So thank you. Truly thank you for carving out a little bit of your day and joining us here on CBS Sports Radio. As we go back to the NFL we learned yesterday, right, Frank Reich was fired as head coach of the Panthers. Now, that is the second coach already fired in season for 2023. This had me thinking now going forward, well, how many more are we going to see? A lot more coaches, I think, right now in the hot seat, and a lot more coaches, I think, will be fired um, at the conclusion of this upcoming season. So I figured, you know, maybe let's do this. Let's take a bunch of coaches right now rumored to be on the hot seat and play a little game. Hot or not. Are they truly on the hot seat and going to get fired? Or are they going to live to seeing another season? Ryan Botcher is the man with a list of names. A long list, by the way. Because again, there's a lot of coaches on the hot seat. This is longer right now than Santa's list. Naughty or nice list, I guess, to specify. So Ryan... Let's hit the music, and let's get playing.
1: Okay, starting first. Our friend David from Buffalo mentioned this with signing Harbaugh in Buffalo. Is Sean McDermott on his way out? Oh, he's hot. He
0: is hot. That seat is hot. He is getting fired. The Bills, and we just saw it on Sunday, right? They are constantly finding new ways to lose big games. And a lot of when they lose big games is on the defensive side of the football. Like, a lot of the biggest moments we're talking about when it comes to the Bills losing these big games has been because the defense has failed them. And this is a guy who's a defensive-minded head coach. The best way I can describe Sean McDermott as an overall NFL head coach is this. I think he is the perfect training wheels for an NFL team. Now, when you're learning to ride a bike, you can't just ride the bike and all of a sudden become Lance Armstrong and be the fastest uh, kid in the block. Gotta take it slow got to learn your balance learn how to pedal need training wheels to get you going here sean mcdermott is the perfect training wheels where if you are a bad team you are not going from bad team to super bowl winner in one year it just can't happen so sean mcdermott's a perfect head coach to hire right now if you are a team in the malaise like the bears like the cardinals like the patriots who can't get out of their own way and have been bad now for years. He can get you to a level where you are then a consistent playoff team, where you can be considered one of the better teams in the league. But when it comes to winning a championship, getting over the hump, just like when it comes to if you want to ride fast and rob the big kids, you got to take the training wheels off. You need, If you want to win a championship, you got to move off of Sean McDermott. He's a great coach. to get where the bills were from perpetual loser, constantly picking in the top ten, to now a perennial playoff team. That's, though, his ceiling. And now for the Bills to get to that next level and win a Super Bowl, they need a Super Bowl-caliber head coach. McDermott is great training wheels. He's he's great to get you going and get you on the winning track. He's not that coach that can win you a Super Bowl. So that's why his seat is hot. He's going to get fired at the end of the year.
1: Number two, Robert Sala of the New York Jets. No Rodgers. Is he done?
0: Robert Sala... Not hot. I think he's back next year in 2024. It's very simple. Aaron Rodgers likes Robert Sala because Robert Sala lets him be. Like Aaron Rodgers is basically, he's a quarterback. He's the head coach. He's the GM. He's the president. And outside of financial obligations, he's basically the owner of the Jets. They bow down and whatever he wants, they acquiesce to. And so when it comes to the head coach, it's Aaron Rodgers' call. And I think Rodgers likes Salah because he does what he wants. He wants Nathaniel Hackett on the staff. Boom. Hackett's now the OC. He wants Alan Lazard on the team and Randall Cobb. Boom. Those two guys signed as free agents on the team. Robert Sala, and we saw it in Hard Knocks, too, if you watch Hard Knocks over the summer. He's, like, in awe that Rodgers is still, like, as a member of the team. Like, he is coaching him. He's a fanboy, basically. And with that, Salah lets Rodgers be. Whatever Aaron wants, Aaron gets. He doesn't micromanage the offense. He lets Aaron do whatever he wants. He wants his guys. He gets them. He wants this. He gets that. So Rodgers likes Salah because Sala's not going to coach him, not going to push his buttons, not going to tell him what, what he wants to do. And that's what Rodgers wants, and that's why he will be back because Rodgers wants a guy that is not controlling, that's not going to coach him hard, Rodgers wants a guy that's basically a yes man. That's why he loves Nathaniel Hackett. And that's what Robert Sala has been so far to Aaron Rodgers. You're a Jets fan, Ryan. Yes. Do you think Sala's actually on the hot seat?
1: Someone's going to get fired. Probably going to be Hackett.
0: I would agree someone's going to get fired. I think it's actually going to be Joe Douglas.
1: I disagree with that. Because
0: Joe Douglas, is, I would say he's the biggest... Man to blame right now for why the Jets are just free falling without Aaron Rodgers. I get it's tough to win without a quarterback. Or Colts O-line. are doing it, Browns are doing it, but you just O line. Yeah, who's that? They're who's on that their off?
1: like fourth string player in every position. So,
0: but they were bad to start the year.
1: Who's we that? Couldn't, we couldn't see it though. What did it last? One game, two games. Dwayne Brown got hurt the first game.
0: But that's part of Joe Douglas getting desperate. At the point we need what forty year old Dwayne Brown to come in. Yeah. The but, receivers outside of Gary Wilson have stunk. I mean Yeah, that's bad. Al Lazard is your big time free agent receiver. Guys inactive now. Four year forty four million dollar receivers benched. These stinks.
1: Soccer star. Really? He's practicing soccer at practice. That's hey, why what? He, he's playing with a soccer ball in his pregame warm ups. So when he warms up, he I've plays with a soccer that. ball. And everybody's getting mad at him for it.
0: Well it makes sense. I mean he's good footwork, but no hands.
1: Yeah, of course. Okay, number three, Bill Belichick.
0: So Really fast here. I'm sorry. You think they would actually fire Nathaniel Hackett? I think so. Even though Aaron Rodgers likes him? Yes. Wow.
1: I think there's been times where Rodgers knows that Hackett isn't a good coach. He just has to accept the fact that's not going to work. Who's firing him, Sal or Douglas? Woody Johnson.
0: Oh. Which probably, is the, I mean, he's the only guy that could fire him because you're not going to tell Woody what to do. Yeah. But even Woody seems like if he could give up ownership, he would. Or if that's what it took to get Aaron Rodgers back in the Jets, he would.
1: He would do a lot of things to get to the playoffs. None of them worked, though. No.
0: <laughs> you're right about that. None of them have worked, and it's not going to work this year either. Interesting. Okay. All right. I, don't, I Listen, you're right, by the way. But meritocracy, the way the NFL is, he should be fired. He's awful. He's an awful coach in general. That's part of the reason why I had no problem with what Sean Payton said. He was 100% right. Hackett stinks. But his best right now attribute is that he's Aaron Rodgers' friend.
1: It's not going to last.
0: Get you far in life.
1: This person seems to have no friends number three here. Bill Belichick. That's true. He's down a rabbit hole. He's hot.
0: He's getting fun. Okay, so this is how I'll phrase it. He is not going to be in the Patriots next year. There's no chance he's back with the Patriots. The reason why I can't say he's going to get fired is, I mean, there are plenty of reports, including Mike Florio right here on CBS Sports Radio, talking to Zach Gallup at this point about it, probably about a month ago, who said the Commanders would be all in on trading for Bill Belichick. I don't think any team in their right mind should trade for Bill Belichick. I think the game has passed him by. I don't think he knows how to actually develop or pick a quarterback, and that's so important now. Um, and Bill can't do that. He, he struggles with in terms of identifying talent. But if you're the Patriots and some idiot is is dumb enough to offer you draft picks for Bill Belichick, you got to take it. So I don't think he's going to be fired. I think he's going to be traded. But either way, he's not going to be back in New England next year. So hot.
1: Okay, this next person should have been gone personally last year after the playoffs. Brandon Staley of the Chargers.
0: Everyone knows the answer, right? He's hot. He's going to get fired or should be fired. But here's what I don't get if you're the Chargers. Now, I don't think Kellen Moore is a is head coach material. I don't. But you brought him in. That was your big offseason move. Why not give him a chance, fire Staley now, and give Kellen Moore a six-game tryout? Because the Chargers have had Justin Herbert, and they have had bad coaching with Anthony Lynn and Brandon Staley. They've had a bad defense as well. They've wasted right now the first few years of Justin Herbert. Don't you want to, instead of going in blind and hoping another head coach works out, and if you're going to interview, which I'm assuming they will, interview Kellen Moore. Don't you want to at least know what he is? I get the six-game sample size, and how much can you actually show in that small of a sample size? But you can at least learn a little bit about what Moore is as a head coach, at least shape your idea of, yeah, there's potential here, or, oh, boy, this is bad. You know what? We'll interview him, but he's nowhere close to right now being one of our top candidates. It's just a wasted opportunity for for the Chargers. Forget about just losing games against Staley Stinks. This team is awful in close game situations. The defense for a defensive guru is one of the worst in the NFL. Riddle me that. Just, again, highlights the bad coaching. But why they're not bare minimum firing him just to give Kellen Moore a look. It's malpractice, right? It's malpractice at this point.
1: Number five here. I don't know why. I don't know. This guy doesn't really line up with the rest of these people. Kevin Stefanski of the Browns. He
0: should not be on the hot seat. You go to Cleveland, though. It's there is a true divide between Kevin Savansky love and Kevin Savansky hate. There's he's, a good, he's not bad. no, I agree. But There's a the reason why he's on this list is because there's a still a, it'll maybe it's the minority, but the loud vocal minority of Browns fans that want Kevin Savansky fired that don't think he's a good coach. I'm with you though, he's nowhere near the hot seat. He's done a really good job this year. i mean, Deshaun Sean Watson has not been healthy for basically the entire season, and he still found a way between a bad Watson. Dorian Thompson Robinson and PJ Walker to win seven games and currently right now hold a playoff spot. I don't know what else more you want him want the guy to do. He's back in 2024, no doubt about it. His seat, nowhere near hot.
1: Okay, number six, Riverboat Ron Rivera, the commanders.
0: Honestly, I mean he's hot. He's getting fired at the end of the year. But it's also everything I just said about the Chargers applies to the commanders. You hired Eric Bienemy this offseason. To me, that felt like a move of not only to see what Bianimi is. You got a spark on offense, but also, if we got to fire Ron, this could be a guy that we could at least get a look at to see, is he head coach material? I mean, had Callum Morris had head coach interviews, right, and not gotten a job so far. We know Bienemy's had a million head coach interviews, not gotten a job so far. If you're the commanders, again, just figure out if you're going to fire Ron Rivera at the end of the season anyway, do it now, and just give Eric Bienemy a six-game sample size to see... If there is anything worth investigating moving forward, and just get to some sort of answer, if he can coach or not as a head coach, I don't get it. It's a waste right now having Ron finish out the season. It really is. Okay,
1: yeah, number seven, Da Bears, Matt Eberflus.
0: Hot. He's gonna, He's another one that's going to get fired. Two years and done. Rightfully so. At this point in the NFL, you need an offensive-minded head coach. You do. That's how you succeed. That's how you win. That's where the great teams are built because you don't have to worry about uh, hiring. If you hire well, hiring new offensive coordinators every two to three years. Dan Campbell is about to figure that out the hard way by now Ben Johnson is the, you know, and was last year too before he decided to say, but he's the hot offensive coordinator. He's going to be number one on everyone's list. So if you're Dan Campbell and how well the offense is played now, you got to worry about hiring a new offensive coordinator that could pick up where Ben Johnson left off. And if you're the Bears, again, You are either going to roll into next year with Caleb Williams, Drake May, or in an unlikely situation, but still I think likely, uh, still possible, I should say, not likely, an unlikely but possible situation. You're still going to be rolling with Justin Fields. You need an offensive mind to help him figure it out and one that you think can be there for a long time. So, Matt Eberflus ain't it. Don't like what I've seen from his coaching style. Don't like what I've seen from his offensive uh, coordinator hirings. You gotta get an offensive mind in especially when you're gonna have either still a young quarterback in field or most likely a rookie under center next year.
1: Okay, number eight, former Jets coach,
0: right. Todd Bowles. Your guy. No. Right. <laughs> He's hot. He's getting fired at the end of the year because it's like the same thing with the with the Jets. He gives you zero inspiration. Like I don't know what Todd Bowles does well as a head coach to justify him coming back in twenty twenty four. Can you, I mean, you saw it up close to personal, Ryan. Can you give me one positive attribute from Todd Bowles as an NFL head coach?
1: Aggressive defense. That's about it. Doesn't motivate. He's very, very bad with clock management and is very conservative when he goes for fourth down plays.
0: And that's the exact opposite of what you want your head coach to be in this current era of the NFL where the rules are geared towards offense, where the offense is so important. We're having a big time off. Look at every elite team in the NFL. Or close to the elite team. They all have great offenses. Todd Bowles being conservative, opposite what you should do. Sure, he's an aggressive defense, but also that doesn't change if he's the defense coordinator or the head of coach. You're still gonna have that no matter what. He, like I said, zero inspiration, gives you no reason for the players to believe in him. His head his offensive coordinator hirings have been questionable at best. He's Same. It's been now the same situation, two different places. Enough. Enough with Todd Bowles.
1: Last but not least, Dennis Allen of the Saints.
0: Oh, hot. I mean, him and Todd Bowles, it's fitting we we put them last year, not just because they're in the same division, but they got their head coaching uh, opportunities from literally the same scenario. Their head coach resigned, slash retired, and basically named them the head coach to replace them. That's the only reason why these two guys are head coaches. I guarantee you if Todd, uh, if... Bruce Arians retired in February and not, what was it, April and just basically knighted Todd Bowles as his replacement. If you had an actual open search for the um, Buccaneers' head coaching job last year with still Tom Brady at the helm, you are not ending up in that candidate pool hiring Todd Bowles. Just like if the Saints' job actually opened up and actually was a real search instead of just naming Allen the head coach, you are not ending up with Dennis Allen as your head coach. They've had two years um, of opportunities last year and this year, and neither have been very good. Neither have been good whatsoever. So move on, save the stress, and get an actual, real head coach in there. So to summarize what we just talked about, nine names on the list, two names on the list that I don't think are getting fired this year, Robert Sala, Kevin Stefanski, the guys almost I think are getting fired at the end of the year. Sean McDermott, Bill Belichick, Brandon Staley, Ron Rivera, Matt Eberflus, Todd Bowles, Dennis Allen. Add those to the two already fired coaches and Frank Reich and Josh McDaniels. I think we're going to have nine head coach openings by the time the end of the year comes. Almost a third of the league will be looking for new head coaches. It's crazy. That also goes back to where we started the show today, Why, if I'm the Bears, I'm using the number one overall pick that I have from the Panthers and trading for a head coach. Trying to get Sean McVay. Trying to get Kyle Shanahan. Trying to get Brian Dayball. Trying to get Shane Steichen. Any one of those four guys have proven right now that they are good offensive minds. Could win with all different quarterbacks. With nine openings, the Bears are not the most attractive job. They are might not. They are not one. They are not two. They are not three, four, maybe even five. The Bears have a lot of work to do, and that's why I'm. I would be aggressive if I'm Chicago. Use that number one overall pick and get a bona fide, true head coach to your team. All right. When we do return, we just talked a lot of negative things about NFL head coaches, who's getting fired. How about we talk some positives? NFL Coach of the Year. Got to give a shout-out to right now, who I think has been the best coach so far through 13 weeks. I'll tell you who that is when we do return. It is Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio.
2: It's Hick at Night with Ryan Hickey.
0: It is Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. It was a monumental Tuesday at least here locally in New York City, because we had the first snow of the year. Now, it was a flurry. And it lasted, I don't know, about an hour or so. I mean, you can't even tell that it's snow, just a few flakes in the air. But that's a big deal for, for a few reasons. Number one, we had no snow last year. Like, I'm pretty sure it was either late February or early March, the first true snowfall of the year in New York City. So we basically went an entire winter without snow. I don't know about you. I love snow. Well, actually, I, should, I shouldn't say that. I got a love-hate relationship with snow. I love the first day it snows. Like every new storm that comes in, that first day when the snow falls, you get six inches, you get eight inches. Everything is covered. Everything is white. It's falling down. It's so pretty. It's nice. I love it. I can't get enough of it. If it snowed once a week, I would be in heaven. It's the the, the fresh snowfall is one of the best. It, honestly, the fresh snowfall. Makes winter worth it. I hate winter. I hate the cold. I hate the wind. It's always gloomy. It's depressing. Winter sucks. The snow, like that first fresh snowfall, makes it worth it. Why I say, though, I have a love hate relationship with snow is after the first day of snow, it stinks. Snow is dirty. And then it's more of a hassle because then if it's cold, it freezes up so everything is slippery. You got to wear boots if you're walking to work, then bring other uh, other shoes to change into so you, you can have lighter shoes when you're at work and walking around all day. So it's like it, it is a pain. It makes everything, you know, things are delayed. You got snow banks here. You got to shovel off this there. And the snow is, is dirty. It's, it's ugly to look at. Like if we could just have it where like once a week you would get the snow, Six inches, you know, probably the perfect, perfect size or perfect amount of snow. Fall down. Looks nice. Beautiful white snow all over the street, all over the cars. And like the next day after that, like right before it gets gross, it just disappears every time I'm in. If we could work out that agreement with Mother Nature, sign me up. But it was nice. It was nice that at least... It took until uh, or took well before late February or early March. You had the first snowfall and, again, flurry. So I'm not, I'm not even sure if it technically counts, but I'm counting it myself here. First snowfall of the year, New York City. Big, big, big day here. Who's had a big first 12 weeks of the season? I think it's Shane Sykin. I think for me right now, as we look into it, as we head into December here, He, to me, is my coach of the year selection. So I think coach of the year should be about the roster you have and the circumstances you are dealing with. And right now, if you look at the Colts, 6-5 and on the season, currently right now hold the seventh and final spot in the AFC playoff picture and have played this season in 10 out of 11 games with Gardner Minshew playing at least some of it That, to me, is enough to say that Shane Sykin has earned coach of the year. And this is a a Colts team, remember, that had Anthony Richardson, who did not finish the first game of the year, who did not finish the second game of the year, who missed the third game of the year, who, by the way, that game was in Baltimore. The Colts, with Gardner Minshew, starting and finishing that game in the rain, beat Baltimore in Baltimore. Came back, the only game Anthony Richardson played this year was week four, or the only game, I should say, he started and finished this season was week four against the Rams. And Gardner Minshew has been this Colts starter since week five, uh, week six, excuse me, week five. And and, uh, Anthony Richardson got hurt in the first half. But Minshew has played in 10 of 11 games this year. And with that said, the Colts are still a top 10 offense in terms of points per game. They are six and five. And they currently hold right now the last playoff spot in the AFC. If that's not coach of the year worthy, I don't know what is. That is absolutely making the most of what you're dealing with. And right now, also, by the way, on top of not having your rookie quarterback for 10 out of 11 games, also now you've you played the first four games without, Anthony, uh, without Jonathan Taylor, one of the best, maybe arguably the best running back in the NFL. Now it came out today that Jonathan Taylor needs to have thumb surgery and is going to be out two to three weeks. So you, now you're going to have going to a big stretch run here entering December. You're best running back out for another two or three games. If the Colts keep winning games and make the playoffs, it's a lock. Shane Sykin is easily by far the coach of the year winner. Two other coaches I want to give some love to that I think they deserve to be in this conversation. Tamika Ryans and Sean Payton. D'Amico Ryans and, and Shane Sykin to me are neck and neck. I think whoever, whichever team makes the playoffs, that to me is going to be the winner of coach of the year because what D'Amico Ryan has done and taken over this team where the Texans were just in a bad of a spot as the Colts were, have uh, to be able to develop CJ Stroud to where now he is just one of the best overall quarterbacks in the league so far this year. I like, dropped the word rookie. He's just flat out. He has been one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL this season. I think Ryans deserves a lot of credit for that with how he's developed. But also his hiring of Bobby Slowick, their offense coordinator, has been the right hire as well to get the most out of Stroud. Also, by the way, not a whole lot of talent on that team. And yet defensively, they have been very tough. Offensively, they have been explosive of late uh, as well here. Tamika Ryans absolutely has done a tremendous job. And I think right now, just because the Colts are Colts beat them head-to-head, right now have a playoff spot while the Texans don't. That's why Shane Sagan for me right now is number one on Coach of the Year uh, Coach of the year, less D'Amico Ryan's on number two. And I would honestly put Sean Payton number three. Because again, for me, a lot of it is expectations going into the year and how your team does unfold and does develop as the season goes along. And we were talking about that Broncos team. And I was on the air here bashing Sean Payton. And I've been a big Sean Payton defender, or well, not even defender, believer, I guess. I thought the Broncos would make the playoffs before the year started. Got just an awful start to the season. Losing to the Jets with Zach Wilson, giving up 70 points to the Dolphins. And the fact, to their credit right now, they have won five games in a row. Back now in the playoff race, Sean Payton deserves a lot of credit for this team's turnaround. And it's been almost a turnaround overnight, in part because he's figured out how to get the most out of Russell Wilson. And I think what Payton has discovered is Russell Wilson is a lot like Josh Allen, meaning... If you have them or you have those quarterbacks thinking they have to be Superman, that's when things get off the tracks. That's when Josh Allen tries to play hero ball. That's when he's fumbling. That's when he's forcing balls into tight windows he shouldn't and turning the ball over a ton. When Russell Wilson tries to be Superman, when he tries to just throw for a touch on every single play, that's when he turns the ball over, and that's when he's just flat out bad. And Payton, to his credit, has got Russ to now be more of a game manager, has made the game simpler, has developed a run game. The defense now is forcing turnovers left and right. They are playing complimentary football. I think Sean Payton deserves a lot of credit for this turnaround where now they were dead and gone six weeks ago and now riding a five-game winning streak have been the hottest team in the NFL and now have played themselves back into a playoff spot. So Shane Sagan for me right now so far through 12 weeks as we enter December is the runaway favorite for me for coach of the year. Tameka Ryan's number two. Sean Payne, I think, deserves a lot of credit and should be in this conversation for what he has done. The turnaround-wise, midway through the year for the Broncos, he is number three. Speaking of good coaching, that is what Colorado cannot say they have had this year with Deion Sanders, nor can they say they will have moving forward. The jig is up with Deion Sanders. I'll explain why when we do return. It is Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio.
2: This is Hickey at Night. Here's Ryan Hickey.
0: It is Ryan Hickey with you right now, uh, right here on CBS Sports Radio. I'm having social media fights. I don't understand this. Someone, social media, again, I, I, I give it too much credence. I already shouldn't really even be talking about it. But I put out the video version. If you want to check me out on YouTube, by the way, Ryan Hickey, search it on YouTube, post a lot of video content there. Uh, Shameless plug. But I put a video out, just the reaction I gave to you right here on CBS Sports Radio, questioning and explaining why Michigan should be the number one team in the country. And all these tweets I'm getting back are, well, Georgia, I mean, they haven't lost in forever. Well, look at Lou, Georgia beat, I mean, Michigan beat nobody. Ohio State's overrated. What are we watching? Someone said, because Michigan is 0-2 in the playoffs the last two years, well, that's why Michigan is not number one in Georgia is. Folks, what are we talking about? The rankings for 2023 only have to do with what we have seen in 2023. Georgia's whatever it is, 28-29 game winning streak literally does not matter. The fact that Georgia won games with Stetson Bennett, N'Kobe Dean, and Jordan uh, Jordan Davis the last two years is irrelevant to how they are playing this year because those guys are not there. It doesn't matter that they have that they went what fourteen and one and fifteen and zero the last two years. It doesn't matter because a lot of those guys are not here. You have to grade how Georgia has played and who they have played. How Michigan has played and who they have played. And everybody in college football, based on this year and this year only, previous playoff outcomes, previous national championships, previous win streaks do not influence this season. I I feel like that is obvious. Am I missing something? Why on earth would the committee factor in or care that Michigan lost to TCU last year, and that's why they can't put Michigan at number one this year? Why does that matter? Last year, Ohio State lost to Georgia in the college football playoff semifinal. How come that didn't stop this year when the first college football playoff rankings were revealed When both schools were undefeated, why was Ohio State ranked ahead of Georgia? If previous years mattered, then Georgia should have been number one. It doesn't matter. Just for those out there thinking it does, it does not. The rankings are about 2023 and 2023 only. What you did in 2022, what you did in 2021 is irrelevant, that has zero bearing on, right now, these rankings for 2023 because it is about this year and this year only. This is a great time to tell you, by the way, the Defensive Player of the Week is sponsored by the Navy Federal Credit Union who proudly serves the Armed Forces DOD, veterans, and their families. Their members are the mission. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. The Defensive Player of the Week, we're going to highlight him, Michigan Defensive Back Rod Moore. We're not giving Rod Moore the award because he played well last year because he had an interception against Maryland. No, 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 no. We are giving Rod Moore, the Navy Federal Credit Union Defensive Player of the Week, for what he did last week. Because in that game, against Ohio State, number two at the time, what did Moore do he called game? picked off Kyle McCord last minute of the game as the Buckeyes are driving down the field to seal the third straight victory for the Wolverines over the Buckeyes. And Ryan botcher doing a great job producing, is very kind here. He said, almost certainly seal Michigan's spot in the college football playoff. Look, it's over. Michigan's in the playoff. Michigan can lose to Iowa, which is not going to happen. There is 0.000% chance Iowa beats Michigan on Saturday. If the impossible happens... I still think Michigan's in the playoff. They're in. Rod Moore, congrats to you. You are our Navy Federal Credit Union Defensive Player of the Week. Okay, let's talk some dogs. Let's talk some Michigan rankings here. Ernie is called from Tennessee at 855 212 4227. I'm sorry, I'm too fired up here. I got to come down. Hello, Ernie.
2: Just remember these four names as you talk about my Bulldogs. They're not there from last year. We lost 27 players to the NFL in the last two years. But listen to this. Okay. McConkie, you ever heard that name? Ladd, first name. Edwards. Great, great first name. Edwards, you ever heard that name? Yes. Bauer, have you heard that name? Bowers. They played without those two last week. The best two players on the team, except for the defense. There are some players on the defense that should be up there with them. And then we have this guy named Mr. Beck, who nobody believed in at the beginning of the year. All I can tell them is line up, beat us, and then talk about how bad we are. Ernie, I'm not sitting here telling you Georgia's bad. Literally, and by the way, Ernie. Tell us how bad we are. And there's not a team with as much firepower on offense as the Georgia Bulls. We can go 10 deep at wide receiver. Can they do that? 10.
0: Ernie, my only point is this. I'm not telling you Georgia's bad. I'm not even telling you Georgia when the final rankings come out on Sunday afternoon that they won't be number one or shouldn't be number one. All I'm literally saying, Ernie, is that for this week, going into Friday and Saturday's games, Michigan should have the number one next to their name, not Georgia. When you beat the number two team in the country and you were number three, that win is big enough where you get the reward of going up to number one. That's all we I'm saying. We don't care about the number. We don't care about the number. We this don't year, care Ernie, about you hiding. do. This year, no, you I want don't. to know why, Ernie? Because why? the committee loves Florida State. They stink. But you know what? If Florida State, I would not put Florida State in the playoff. But you know what the committee's going to do if Florida State beats Louisville? Put them in the playoff. And guess what, Ernie? If you, would you rather be the number one seed in play, a backup quarterback in Florida State, and play a team who has struggled to beat bad teams all year long? Or would you rather play as a two-seed Washington, play Oregon? Would you rather play the Oregon Ducks, who I think, for my money, are the hottest team in college football right now, or would you rather play a banged-up and bad Florida State team? You take you take your pick.
2: Well, let me tell you this. Line them up and let's play is all I say. But the other thing I called about, and I'll, I'm picking my Bulldogs to win 31-17 to 17 on Saturday. Shocker. And then the next thing I want to talk about, get all of our championships while we can, SEC, Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12, whatever. Remember this name. NIL is taking over, and nobody will have more NIL money than Texas. Get ready. Well,
0: NIL's already taken over. Hmm? NIL has already taken over, Ern. Thanks for the call, I- buddy. NIL's been around now for, what, two years, three years? It's been here. Texas has a lot of money. I'm not denying that. Are they taking over? I don't think so. AM's got a lot of money. Ohio State's got a big backing. Alabama's got a big backing. Your Georgia, uh, Georgia Bulldogs got a big backing. Plenty of schools. A lot of money to burn and a lot of money to spend. I don't think Texas is going to be head and shoulders above everyone else right now when it comes to NIL. All right, really fast here. One thing I want to mention before I get back to your calls here about the college football playoff rankings. Um, the jig is up with Deion Sanders. He's not a good coach, evident this year, and he's never going to be a head coach because this is the guy who does not want to put the work in. He does not want to do the grimy, dirty, tough things college football coaches have to do to ensure success. And you know what that is mostly entailing? Recruiting. Recruiting is a 365, 24-7 adventure when you're a college football head coach. And that is one thing Deion Sanders has zero interest in. Ari Wasserman of The Athletic is a tremendous college football reporter and also big time into recruiting. He wrote, I thought, a great article today highlighting... Why Colorado, and specifically Deion Sanders, is in big trouble moving forward. You would think, by the way, right, with all the attention Deion got, going to Colorado, starting 3-0, every single pregame show was fighting for literal space on Colorado's campus to broadcast their pregame show from. With all the attention, all the celebrities that were attending Colorado games the first month of the season, you would assume, right, Oh, that means that every single kid wants to play for Colorado. Do you know right now, as we get set for early signing period, which, by the way, most of the big-time players, right, and most of the big-time recruits, they sign in the early signing period, which is December 20th. So let's just say we're three weeks away from that, right, roughly? We are three weeks away from the early signing period where most of the big players uh, sign. Colorado, their right now ranking, their recruiting class ranking, is 65th nationally. They are three spots ahead of their in-state rival Colorado State. They have right now, as you sit here, nine commits, three in the top 400, and now had just over the course of the last few days had five players decommit from Colorado. Why is that? Despite the attention Colorado got, despite the early success at 3-0 Colorado got, why is no one signing up to go play for Deion Sanders? Two things. Number one. Deion is not putting in the work it takes to land the big-time recruits. Again, I talked about it. Recruiting is 24-7, 365. Ari Wasserman brought this up in the, in the article, and I think he's right about this. Have you seen Deion Sanders at a recruits' house? Have you seen him attend a high school football game on a Friday night? I haven't. And that's small things you need to do in order to get recruits to come to your school. You have to show an interest. Kirby Kirby's smart is spending his Friday nights at different high school games watching kids, trying to have them come to Georgia, showing them that he cares. Nick Saban is doing, I mean, I've seen him on TikTok doing dances in the middle of someone's living room. Do you think Nick Saban wants to spend a Tuesday night in a random 17-year-old's living room with his family doing the the cha-cha slide? No. Do you know why he's doing it? Because he wants that kid to come to Alabama and play for him. No matter how successful Kirby Smart or Nick Saban are, which right now I would say the two best coaches in college football, the reason why those two programs are always at the top of the recruiting rankings is because they put the work in. They put the work in. They are out there grinding. They realize recruiting is not a, oh, yeah, I'll do it when I have time. Recruiting is a 24-7, 365 endeavor. We got to go across the country, you got to talk to kids daily. You got to talk to their high school coaches. You have to show them you care. And by the way, you care more than if you're Kirby Smart. I care more than Nick Saban cares. I care more than Ryan Day cares. I care more than Jim Harbaugh, Lincoln Riley, you name it. Every one of these big schools are going after the same fish. Dion has not done that, done anywhere near the amount of work that these elite coaches have done. And number two, that's one reason why the recruiting class is crap. Number two is, Kids have realized what we've all seen. He's not a good coach. You can't trust Deion Sanders if you are an 18-year-old high school senior to go to Colorado and trust that in three years you will be developed enough to go to the NFL. This is one of the most poorly coached teams in all the country. They're the most penalized team, which means they're sloppy. They can't adjust whatsoever. And the, the few adjustments they do make is on the wrong side of the ball. The defense is one of the worst nationally in all of college football. What does Deion do instead of fixing the defense? He keeps the defense coordinator in place, fires or demotes the offensive coordinator, and brings in Pat Shermer to call plays for Colorado. Colorado has no offensive line. They can't block anybody. What do they do? Keep calling deep pass routes. You got Shador Sanders breaking his back literally because the offensive line can't protect from him, but they don't change up the play calls because they don't adjust very well. The jig is up with Colorado. For all those thinking Deion Sanders is going to get any job he wants, is going to go to the SEC and be one of the best coaches, you already were in for a rude wake-up call, and that's only going to continue. This recruiting class shows you Deion is not a good head coach. When we come back, the, the Bears don't have a good head coach. I got a solution as to how they can get one. I'll tell you next. It's Ryan Hickey on CBS Sports Radio.